Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. That's right. I even snuck in the woo. Let's see if we can get that one more time. There it is. <laughs> Our NFL Eagles insider. Johnny Mac, John McMullen joins me every night at 7.30 on The Fix. Follow John at JF McMullen on Twitter. Phillyvoice.com, SI.com, and host of Extending the Play every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 11, right here on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. All right, let's bring John into the conversation now, shall we? Johnny Mack, how was your weekend? How are we doing tonight? Uh, spectacular. Doing well. How are you, Ron? Spectacular. Wow. I mean, was there anything that, that caused it to be spectacular, or are you just um, over-exaggerating for us? Nah, well, I, yeah, I'm over-exaggerating. I just heard Ric Flair's music, so I got to sell. The greatest seller of all time, I got to sell. There you go. I love it. Yeah, Ric Flair will do that to you. Um, all right, so Friday night, I think you and I had a good conversation, uh, just to pat ourselves on the back, talking about the Eagles' wide receivers and the wide-receiving corpse uh, I say that intentionally, but um, tonight we're going <laughs> to, by the way, that guy got it wrong. I, I don't think he knows he got it wrong, but he got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was still, still funny. Nonetheless. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, now, now let's tonight, you know, my plan with you, John is to focus on the tight end position because we've talked plenty Zach Ertz and we know what's, what's coming there. And there's some speculation about potentially drafting a tight end. So uh, I'll let you just kind of lay the foundation here. Give us an update on the tight end position. You can talk to us about Zach Ertz, updates there, Dallas Goddard, and and we'll get into everything from there. Yeah, kind of a demarcation line for this team at the tight end position because they're going to move on from Zach Ertz. It's just a matter of when and if they're able to get anything back or if they have to release them. Um, that ship has kind of sailed. Uh, from, you know, for anything, from more Zach's perspective, he doesn't want to be back with this organization. So um, that, unfortunately, is going to end on a bad note. Great career. A uh, little disappointing, uh, I think, from Zach's perspective in that it looked like he'd, he'd leave this. He'd certainly be the all-time leading receiver in this organization. Uh, if he had a typical Zach Ertz year, he would have easily surpassed Harold Carmichael, but that didn't happen. We all know it was a career-worst year, and it's time to turn the page and look towards Dallas Goddard as being the uh, sort of crux of that position. And uh, I think, you know, it's interesting because we don't know about the new coaching staff. We don't, we don't know 
fully what they want to do. You can look at Indianapolis. You can look at Nick Sirianni's history. You could look at Shane Steichen with the Chargers and, and kind of make some broad um, uh, thoughts about what offense they're going to run. But until you see it, you don't know. It's just kind of a, a, a league-wide thing that you want more receivers on the field. You want to spread the field more. Uh, and, hey, the old Eagles coaching staff wanted to do that. Problem is they couldn't do it because the receivers weren't good. The tight ends were good. Now I think they want to turn the page. They want to get more receivers on the field. So um, you don't need two great tight ends, so to speak. You uh, you read my mind. That's where I was going next with you is, you know, we're, we're used to – Doug Peterson and, and that philosophy, which, you know, we, we knew that they liked having two tight ends, you know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. That's why they brought in Goddard, um, at least one of the reasons. But can we make any prediction or thoughts on what Nick Sirianni prefers? Is, is he good with just really focusing on having one tight end majority of the time? Uh, and, and Dallas Goddard is that guy? Um, or does it make sense to bring in someone else, whether that's through the draft, free agency, or trade, that can also be an impact right away? Well, either way, I mean, you need two competent tight ends generally to run a, a an NFL offense. And if you look at Indianapolis, by the way, they had good tight ends. Um, maybe not as good as the Eagles were with Zach uh, when Zach was playing well. And Dallas Goddard, but I, I think the goal is sort of, you know, two thirty sixty-six percent three receivers, thirty-three uh, percent um, two tight ends, and then um, from the Eagles' perspective, over the past number of years, it's been more two tight ends than three receivers, and you could look at it two ways. You could look at it the fact that um, Doug Peterson realized what he had. And, and moved the needle in that direction, uh, and that was a good thing. Uh, but behind the scenes, I can tell you, I mean, Doug always – Doug's default offense was was uh, 11 personnel, and that's three receivers. That's what he wanted on the field. The Eagles could never find three receivers good enough to keep them on the field that were better than the tight ends. So ultimately, that's the goal. Can you get there? And by the way, you don't want to get there necessarily by taking away from a strength of one position uh, and saying, let's get worse there so we can get three receivers on the field. You want three good receivers. Um, but circumstance, you know, prevents this team from probably moving forward with Zach Ertz and seeing if he can have a bounce back here. Because, again, he, he just doesn't want to be here. Doesn't want to be here. Um, so it's similar to Carson Wentz in a lot of ways, and you kind of have to move on. So at that point, who's going to be your second tight end? And, you know, Richard Rodgers is a free agent. He played great last season, I think. Nobody expected it, but when the injuries cropped up, um, he played really, really well. They do have a lot of young players. Um, Caleb Wilson is, is around. Um Hakeem Butler they still have. They signed Tyree Jackson, who's a former quarterback in college at Buffalo, so they're trying to go the Logan Thomas route uh, and see if he can make that switch and become a player. 
but then, you know, the elephant in the room, I guess, is Kyle Pitts, and a lot of people are, are trending in that direction at the top of the draft. But I, I got to tell you, I just don't see it, Ryan. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Now, if I'm the general manager of an NFL team, and I've never been anywhere close to that, but um, I'm, I'm looking at my depth chart, and if I have this Eagles team, I'm saying, okay, we need a lot of work at wide receiver. We have Dallas Goddard, who is more than serviceable. Many think he can be elite if you give him the reps and the time on the field. So why the heck would, would they even consider going Kyle Pitts and skipping over an opportunity to address um, a position of more need? Well, the theory is, I mean, when you're up at that uh, point of the draft, you take the best player. And there's a lot of people that think Kyle is, is amongst the, the best two or three players in this draft. So from that perspective, you say, okay, you just uh, take the best player and figure it out from there. Uh, and, you know, that's a good problem to have. And if you have to go back to two tight ends, it's you got to go back to a lot of two tight ends because they're better than your receivers. Same thing that Doug Peterson went through. But while I say that, I mean, there's good receivers in this draft, as we know. And there's positions at the top of this draft the Eagles value far more. And, and Pitts is such an interesting player because you sort of have two camps. You have you have the one camp who says he's a weapon. He's not a typical tight end. He's a glorified, just just a, a, a king-size slot receiver uh, because there's some blocking deficiencies. Uh, and then you have the other camp that says, actually, for a modern tight end, remember, there's no more in-line Y-backs, Mark Bavaro. Those, those players don't exist anymore. Um and the old adage in, in, you know, tight end rooms across the NFL is lose but lose slowly when you're blocking. Because you know you're going to lose, just do it slowly. In other words, work your butt off and just try to do the best way possible, slow down the edge rushers. And, and you know, Pitts is a willing blocker. He's always proven to, to, to be and stick his nose in there. He doesn't have a problem with it. Uh, and that's half the battle. Uh but then, you know, if, if you're saying he's just a traditional tight end, well, there's just, uh, you know, you can bring in whatever tight end you like. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle are the best tight ends in football. Um, you can just look at the NFL draft o over the years. I mean, that's not a position, number six overall, where you take a tight end. It's just not. The value is just not there. Yeah, it's just it doesn't really make sense. And I don't want to go back to quarterback talk here with you, but I will just say this as it relates to the Eagles building around that position. Doesn't it matter the direction of that position? Like, I, you know, OK, uh, we feel like Pitts will fit best with Jalen Hurts or we feel like, you know, et cetera. Let's get the wide receiver because we don't know what's going to exactly happen under center. You you get the picture I'm trying to paint. Yeah, well, yeah, and a lot of people are going to draw, you know, the lines to Brian Johnson, the new quarterbacks coach, and, and his history with Jalen Hurts. And obviously he coached Kyle Pitts in, in Florida. So if you want to bend over backwards and try to, um, you know, try to read those tea leaves and, and play, you know, 
the Kevin Bacon game and, and all, all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, you can do it. You can always do that stuff. But coaches in this league have to, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. I remember, you know, back when, when Pete Carroll, way back, when he took Earl, Earl, Earl Thomas, who uh, was going to be a Hall of Fame safety, turned out to be a Hall of Fame safety. Obviously, nobody knew at the time. Uh, but that was big in Philadelphia because everybody for years said, "Why didn't you know? Why didn't you take Earl Thomas?" And you know he was on the board when Brandon Graham was there and Jason Pierre-Paul. You know that story. Uh, but Taylor Mays was coming out of Southern California, and he was a great college safety. And he, Pete Carroll, coached him at USC, and everybody was making that correlation. Oh, he's going to take Taylor Mays. No, he took the better player, and he made the right decision. And that's what you have to do. Uh, and obviously, Brian Johnson's just a position coach. It's not apples out. He doesn't have that kind of power anyway. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that those those things don't really matter. Um, and and coaches understand <laughs> you can't just uh, pick people you used to coach, you used to be with, you used to do. You have to pick the best players, and everybody kind of understands it. Yeah, I mean. I, I got a kick out of today because uh, over the weekend on extending the play, I'd, I'd mentioned to you that Mac Jones is going to be taken a lot sooner than people expect in the draft. And now all of a sudden it starts to come out. And there's a big mock draft today that has him going six overall. And all the Eagles fans are losing their mind. But, yeah, everything starts with the quarterback position, and you have to make that decision first and foremost. And, that's the most difficult decision, and every other decision the Eagles have to make kind of falls after that one. I mean, let's be honest. All right, so if the Eagles don't take Kyle Pitts, hypothetically, at number six, uh, who? what are some names that are available further down the board, whether that's second round, third round, or, or we can go even further down if anything stands out to you? Uh, and then just to tease it for everyone, I also want to get into tight ends that could be available in free agency. Well, I, I would say, I mean, this team has plenty of bodies at the position, plenty uh, of young sort of talent. I, I mentioned, you know, Tyree Jackson's a guy that went out specifically and got under a futures contract. He played quarterback at Buffalo, University of Buffalo. Um and I mentioned Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, for people who don't remember, was quarterback at Virginia Tech and slowly shifted. He was so oversized and so big. And he was a really good quarterback in college, and so was Tyree. And you could see what they're trying to do and, and the way that the position is going as a whole. Um, and and it's more receiving-based, obviously, as we know. We kind of talked with Pitts. Uh, and they also have Hakeem Butler. Anybody who remembers him in college was uh, he was an oversized receiver, uh, and they're trying to shift him into a flex tight end. And they did it for years. Josh Perkins is now a free agent, uh, and he's had too many injuries. But he was a receiver. He was a, a, a an oversized receiver uh, in college at Washington when he started out. So you can see what the Eagles are trying to do. So to me, this is not a need position, uh, even though um, you're losing Zach Ertz because Dallas Goddard, if he's healthy, if he's out there, that's a top 10 tight end in this league. You could probably get Richard Rodgers when you talk about free agency. You could probably get him 
uh, under a pretty cost-effective deal because he, the Eagles have been able to utilize him better than anybody else. Remember, he went down to Washington. It didn't work out. He came back here. So I, when you look at this team and, and, and how they're going to move forward, I don't necessarily think they need to look at bringing in new bodies because they have plenty of developmental players, and they're trying to sort of uh, carpet bomb the position with a certain type and try and try to get that flex receiver. And ultimately, if you have Goddard, you bring back Richard Rodgers, that's better than most tight end groups in this league. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a terrific need, uh, even without Zach Ertz. I really don't. This is a name that I saw that, uh, I mean, piqued my interest may be dramatic, but uh, Trey Burton, thoughts about that name? Yeah, it's interesting. Trey um, just wrote, he writes um, every once in a while for this online publication. You know, he's uh, more of a Christian faith type thing. He's very, um, uh, very into his faith, was very close to Carson Wentz uh, while he was here and Zach. Uh, they were all good friends. Uh, George Matthews was in that group as well. Um, and he had mentioned. Um, today because he's a free agent, as you mentioned, um, and he lives in the Tampa area, which, you know, everybody wants to play in Tampa now for a number of good reasons, <laughs> but starting with Tom Brady. Uh, and he said, if I'm going away from Tampa, he's got to leave his family in Tampa. He's got three young kids, um, and, and he doesn't necessarily want to go uh, long distances. He, he he doesn't necessarily want to do that. And he's also talked about he's not going to play football for uh, a tremendous amount of time because of his uh, faith, and he thinks other things are more important. So um, I understand why people want to make that correlation because of Philly Special and all that stuff, but I, I don't think Trey – uh, would want to come back to Philadelphia. I think he wants to play closer to home, probably at home. Uh, and obviously Tampa Bay is not necessarily in need of a tight end, so that's going to be difficult for him. Uh, but I just don't see it as a fit. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. All right, so I, I think the the point that was brought up about this new coaching staff, and we're not really sure exactly what is preferred as as far as game plan, scheme, the amount of tight ends they want to use, the wide receivers, everything, uh, running backs out of the backfield as far as the passing game is concerned. So let's just, let's assume for a second, John, that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback and piece this together as best we can as far as what's the ideal uh, like weaponry for him as the official starter moving forward under Nick Sirianni. So is it uh, dynamic wide receiver on the outside? Of course, any quarterback would love that, but uh, tight ends in the middle. Uh, how do you see him really thriving this immediate season? Well, I, I do think with a young quarterback, you do want a, a good pass catching tight end as sort of a, a security blanket. And I think Dallas Goddard could be that guy. And I, and I mentioned, I, I do think people 
don't realize how well Richard Rogers played, and and he's got good hands. He's not nearly as athletic, so it, it's. Uh, I'm not trying to oversell it and say he could be a star tight end, but he's very. He would be very effective uh, as a number two tight end. Um, but one thing Nick Nick Sirianni has said is is very similar to what Doug Peterson ended up doing, and that's that he's not married to a certain um, scheme or certain personnel base and, and the fact that he'll look at the talent he has on hand and he'll play the best players. And that's sort of where Doug uh, defaulted to. I think everyone says, oh, Doug wanted to play two tight, two tight ends. I'm telling you, he did not. He didn't like it at all. He wanted to play more three wide receivers. He didn't have the personnel to do it. So he shifted, and he shifted every year. Every year they would come back and say, we want to play less two tight ends, and they just couldn't do it because they couldn't find receivers. So, yeah, I think it's far more important for this team to finally fix the receiver position, uh, which we talked about last week and I wrote about today at phillyboys.com. Um, it, it's, you know, they need more than anything else for Jalen Hurts they need a true number one receiver. And come hell or high water, they got to figure out how to get it. And it might come at number six overall. It might come at 37, whether it's, you know, I've mentioned Kadarius, Tony, and, and, and Rashad Bateman. I, I mean, there are good receivers, but it doesn't stop at the draft. You have to develop those receivers. The Eagles have done a poor job. Uh, they have a new coaching staff. Maybe that changes. But they have a good tight end. And you don't need two star tight ends to be successful on offense in this league. You do need multiple receivers that can do things down the field. And if they get a true number one, it will make things easier. Uh, The dominoes will fall. It will make things easier for the Jalen Ragers of the world and everybody else. While we're on the tight end uh, position here for the Eagles, is there any update, speculation, rumors regarding where Ertz uh, could end up here, John? Uh, The Chargers were the latest uh, to check in on his availability. Seattle's interesting, too, because they've checked in on Zach, but they're kind of in flux now with everything going on with Russell Wilson. Uh, Obviously they're more hampered from a salary cap perspective as well. If you go back to the trading trade deadline last year with Zach's injury, kind of derailed things. Green Bay was looking at him. Baltimore was looking at him. Um, You know, people have speculated in Indianapolis because of Frank and now Carson's there. Uh, but they have good tight ends. They got they got you know Mo Alley Cox and uh, Jack Doyle. They have good tight ends. So I'm not necessarily. I I don't think that's the natural fit that that people think it is. But if I were to guess, I I would say the Chargers are the most likely uh, to trade for Zach. And you know the Eagles might end up. I I think people don't realize he's not going to have a lot of value because of his contract because of his age because of his injury uh, plague season because he didn't play well uh, they might be forced to release him when it's all said and done wow 
That would be uh, that'd be surprising to me, at least. Um, one other rumor I read about was the Bengals trading for Ertz to have that connection with Joe Burrow and uh, and Zach Ertz. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, look, it would make sense as I just said with a young quarterback, you want uh, you want that security blanket, and and Zach Ertz, we all saw him for. I, he had that span where you know, obviously he had the record-setting season where he caught, I think, 116 uh, receptions, which was an NFL record for tight ends. Um, his low watermark over a five- or six-year period was 74 receptions. I mean, that's how productive this guy was each and every year. Um, so for a young quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, anybody, uh that kind of tight end is invaluable. In a lot of ways, if, if the Eagles' uh, relationship wasn't fractured, I, I would advocate for trying to uh, bring Zach Ertz back. He's under contract anyway. You might as well try it. Uh, but I think it's more the relationship uh, and the fact that he doesn't want to be here. He's very angry at the organization Um than it is just from a pure football performance perspective, because I think he could be very, very helpful uh, to Jalen Hurts. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen. PhillyVoice.com and SI.com is where you can find all of John's written work, host of Extending the Play every Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, John, tomorrow I want to talk about the running back position with you. And we're going to wrap up this conversation with just a couple of the latest rumors and news and notes. I saw something with Marcus Mariota uh, today from <laughs> The Athletic, and they were saying the Eagles could be interested and they could be using a dual quarterback. Just your quick thoughts there. Well, A, I, you know, they're not trading for Marcus Mariota. Uh, I mean, he's got a contract, which is pretty unbelievable for a backup quarterback. It's $10.65 million, uh he's under contract for, plus escalators. So if he plays, he gets significantly more money than that. So in essence, if he's the starting quarterback, you're tacking on another 4 5 $6 million on top of that. So that's now, for a starting quarterback, if you think about $16 million, which would be the high point, that's not bad. But it is bad for a team that that obviously has some significant salary cap issues, and it would be signaling this is our starting quarterback. So if you're saying dual – there's no Marcus Mariota versus Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you're paying a guy – uh, that much money, he's going to be your starting quarterback. And what has Marcus Mariota done over six seasons in this uh, this, this uh, in his career to make you think he's going to be a, a competent starting quarterback? I think you're giving up. You're you're raising the white flag and say, okay, we might not be able to get a quarterback this year, but we'll be in the top five next year and we'll get a quarterback next year. And why would you do that? That's not how the Eagles do business. And it's it's way too early in the process, but if you talk to NFL people, the quarterbacks next year aren't as good as the quarterbacks this year. It doesn't make any sense on any level. None. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're going out to get Marcus Mariota, just let Jalen Hurts play. Right. I mean, 
one one guy you know stinks, and the other guy, well, maybe he stinks, but we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, at least get confirmation on the stinkage before you, uh, you know, don't even give him a chance. And maybe I'm being a little, little too harsh on Marcus Mariota, but I mean, why not look at Mitch Trubisky? You could probably get him cheaper. Oh boy. Okay. Um, so, last one here for you, John. Before I let you go. J.J. Watt, just your thoughts on him ending up in Arizona. Yeah, a little bit of a surprise. Got to give, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins uh, uh, credit, a uh, little recruiting credit. Vance Joseph as well, because he was in uh, Houston. So J.J. knows him very well. But I, I think, you know, when he left Houston, I think everybody speculated on Pittsburgh because of his brothers, Buffalo, because they're so close. Uh, Cleveland, maybe because they were a playoff team. Green Bay, because he's a Wisconsin guy. Uh, so this is a big get for for Arizona, and we'll see. I mean, well, Chandler Jones was injured for much of last season. That's one of the great pass rushers in this league. So they'll be getting him back, and you have J.J. Watt. Now there's some age concern. Obviously, J.J.'s not what he once was, but on paper, that looks like a, a pretty good pairing. So Arizona's starting to make a run, and, and we'll see. I mean, Kyler Murray um, got to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, you're always concerned because he was playing great. Uh, then he banged up his shoulder, and he just wasn't the same. And the way he plays and his body type and how small he is, I, I'm just concerned if he's able to stay healthy long term. But certainly Arizona's going to be excited. It's a big name. You know how fan bases are. They're not getting the three-time defensive player of the year, though, but he's still a good player. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it's a big name on a team with a young quarterback and young head coach and uh, should be an interesting story to follow, obviously, throughout the NFL season. Follow John McMullen on Twitter at JFMcMullen. We do this every night at 7.30 and tomorrow night here on The Fix. Uh, John's going to fill us in on the running back position for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sound good, John? Yeah, that's always controversial because uh, shocking to everyone, but uh, Miles Sanders is not Walter Payton. I always get in trouble when I say that. That's breaking news, all right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Miles the Sanders. thinks he is. I know. I know they do, and that's the, uh, that's the problem. We'll talk about it tomorrow. All right, John, thanks, man. All right, thanks, Ron. Yep. All right, there he is, Johnny Mack. Dropping knowledge, yo. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.
Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.